What's up, everyone? Welcome to our live stream. Today, we're going to be talking about red flags for artists and art scams. And if you would like to learn how to turn your artistic weakness into your strength, check out artprof.org, where we have lots of free resources, tutorials, critiques, art dares, pro development, and all that cool stuff. And quick announcement before we get started, I want to say happy belated birthday to our own Prof Lou. You just Woo! had a birthday yesterday, and so everyone gets to acknowledge it. There we go. I'm 46. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I just turned around and I'm like, dude, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. <laughs> and okay. I'm going to milk this. If you want to make me happy for my birthday, send a super chat or super sticker. That would be the best thing for me. If you want to help me celebrate my birthday. Anyway. Thanks everybody for joining us. We're gonna take a look at some things that should make you scratch your head. For example, poorly written emails and messages. Usually bad grammar is a sign. Alex, mm. why is that? Or am I just being a picky teacher? <laughs> I don't think you're being a picky teacher at all. I think bad grammar shows that the email didn't have a lot of thought put into it. And so at best, it's someone who's maybe not serious about buying. At worst, it's potentially a scam. This is an email I got a long time ago, and it's always something about a relative. I got one that was like, my wife just had a baby. I need to send her on to present. There's always some long family history <laughs> involved with a lot of these. And I just don't think people who want to buy artwork want to tell you about their aunt. Is that yeah. the case, Jordan? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just to pull, pull a sympathy card on the artist mm. and uh, like try and get you invested. Like, oh no, I'm so sorry for this person. Um, but it, it can be really bad. And you know, something I've also seen is where you, you have a whole email written out and they say, dear, artist and the artist's name is in a completely different font and size than <laughs> yeah clearly like sent to 30 other people and <laughs> like that's another red flag right there really quick we got a super chat wishing clara happy birthday from amanda norris thank you so much for your support thank as you, for your birthday gift clara. thank you so much Here's another thing. Sometimes there's emails where it's not totally blatantly, oh, this is sketchy. What you can do, research the person that sent the email and also the company, because usually they'll mention I'm from this company. And the fastest way to do that is to check their email signature. So what are you looking for down here, Alex, that could say that it's a red flag? If it's very vague. If there's no deeper information, I got, when one of my pieces won an award, I had a couple like publishing houses reach out. Some of them were very professional. They were courteous. They were specific. They had multiple forms of contact. Others were <laughs> kind of like what Jordan just said, like dear Mr. or Mrs. Alex, <laughs> like, and just very, very vague. And Jordan, sometimes even if they have a website and you click on it, Sometimes the website's a red flag. How do you know it's not a legit website? Um, I think you'll know based on if it's updated or not, uh, like how old some of the artwork is. 
Um, sometimes the art just won't even load up. Um, but I think it's always easier when it's, you know, like a major company. Like for me, um, when I worked at, when I started working on DreamWorks, I got an email from a recruiter and it said like at dreamworks.com or whatever. I was like, oh, this is clearly from the real company. This isn't a scam at all. And I was very happy that day. So, <laughs> but yeah, you just gotta be really careful about some of that stuff. Another thing is whoever contacted me, I will check to see if they are on the website. So a lot of companies, they have like a staff mm. page. Not everybody does, but a lot of them do. And if they have a listing as a staff member, I'm like, okay, th this is fine. This is legit. Let's take a look at a legit, well-written email example. This is one that I got a couple months ago. And I'm only showing you a piece of this email. It was a pretty long email. And is that a red flag, Alex, when it's so long? Or is this just somebody who rambles? <laughs> No, I actually think something that's long is the opposite. Now, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, if most of the length is a sob story, it might be genuine. They're probably just looking for a discount too. But I think you have to look at it from them being a professional too. And if they're professional and they're very clear about what they want, why they're interested in you, how to contact them, what the pay is like, when they need things by... That's very professional, and it's hard to sum that all up in two to three sentences. Yeah, if you really do truly want something from an artist, you're going to lay it all out in one email. You're not going to say, hey, we might want to use your work. This person gives tons of information in the first half of the email. So if you look at the second paragraph, Jordan, what are some things that start to make you think okay th this is probably the real deal um well there's uh lots of talk about research uh let's see i've attached here a pdf showing the specific piece so they're very specific on what they want um to use and uh, let's see we are reaching out today and they're they're giving you just options they're just reaching out they're just trying to see if you're even interested um it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to be a chore necessarily they're just curious to see if you're available for it i mean i cut down <laughs> this email i think there were like two other paragraphs but also they're going to be very polite about it thank you for your consideration i would be happy to talk further about working together is consideration of your work a possibility given these circumstances because alex people who are really demanding and aggressive that's a red flag Oh, yeah. I think for me, that's what I like about this a lot is it's not coming off as like a car salesman. Um, it's stating the benefits, honestly and obviously. We have, uh, where's that line? With literally tens of millions of viewers turning in. But that's not, there's no explanation point. There's no, you'd be silly to not do this with us. Come on, just come on. It's like, hey, we're competitive pay, lots of viewers. Let us know if you're interested. It's very respectful. This email, despite it being so well written, I was still very nervous about it because the filmmaker that they mention, who I'm not going to name, is extremely high on the food chain. And so I had to check it like eight. I was like, really? I'm not sure I buy this. But that's why even with a well-written email, you still should look up the person. You should still look at the website. All of that stuff is important, even if it does look legit. Mm -hmm. 
Next one, and tell us in the chat if this has happened for you. When people ask you to work, quote, for the exposure, because, whoa, what a big perk that is, or extremely low pay. For example, this publishing house, we would only be able to offer you 10 to $15 for use of your work. Would you be willing to consider this? Are you serious? You might as well just ask for it for free at that point. Mm -hmm. Jordan, has this ever happened to you? Yeah, it's very insulting. And usually this is targeted uh, or the most susceptible to this kind of email or going through with it are newer, younger artists. Um, because typically the uh, level of confidence is much lower and uh, you're just kind of excited to get your name out there. But please do not go for this. It's a, it's a huge red flag. Someone once offered me um, $8 an hour for uh, to do a whole animated thing after I graduated from school and worked professionally in the industry. And I was like, this is the biggest insult. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, Ginger hot says, take. No one should make that much money. It should be much more. <laughs> for anything. Yeah. Ginger says, basically, stalk everyone who wants to work with you. Exactly. Do it. It's, it's necessary. It, this is a protective measure because so many people are so quick to prey on artists. Have you seen that, Alex? Oh, yeah. And... I think that Ginger Self phrased it really well of you do your research because on one hand, these people expect that. Like imagine if you are a big filmmaker's assistant, you know that the people you're going to reach out to are going to be suspicious. Now don't come in very like creak in the door be like, who are you? Like don't ask them that stuff. Do your own research on the side. LinkedIn can be a really great resource for just confirming that people work at the company they say they do. W315 says, ah, exposure bucks. Yes, and it infuriates me because as Seven Angelic says, exposure doesn't pay the bills, just like these folks. Jordan, nobody ever asks mechanics <laughs> to work for the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Why do people do this with artists? I, I, it frustrates me all the time, but I think the reason is because they think because we are artists, we think it's always fun. They're just like, oh, their bills magically get paid. And they don't realize for us, it's a trade. It's a craft. It's what we do. It's how we earn money. And it's no different than a mechanic or, uh, you know, a smith or something like that. And it's really, really insulting, actually. And quite honestly, the exposure, we have social media for that. We can do it ourselves for free and mm -hmm. build up our own audience. Why would we need exposure from someone else? Like, really yeah. does make sense. I'm so glad you brought up that point because I think exposure did mean something before the internet. Back mm -hmm. when it was very hard to put your art in front of people, it meant something like, hey, no one would see this otherwise. But now, no, my work is seen all over the place by people. Also, Jordan, I have had a couple times where I did do work for free <clears throat> as a younger artist, and I never reaped any rewards from that. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's like you do the work, you get your work out there, and yet it never goes anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it could just be not following some of the things we're talking about in the stream. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
sorry to say, it just might be people looking for free work. It might just be people wanting to waste your time. Maybe they're, you, you know, they're secretly enemies that you made in the grocery store that one time <laughs> from 10 years ago. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it happens to everybody. So this list comes from experience from us guys. It's not like we haven't been through some of this stuff before. Yeah. Uh, I'm bringing up a note by Amanda Norris, which is a really great one that I think a lot of artists get is if you're not a tattoo artist, someone talking to you saying, Hey, I love your drawing. I'm going to use it for a tattoo. Or can I use it for a tattoo? doesn't matter that you're not applying the ink. It's still your piece and you should be compensated for that. This is a great question from Ginger mm. Soul. Is there ever a time where it's good to work for free? I do it, for example, there was a school district during the pandemic they needed help training faculty art teachers in their district for how to do remote learning now the amount of money they offered me was like a quarter what i usually charge but i talked to her and i knew people were really struggling with remote learning and i said you know what i'll do it it's fine because i just knew how much that was going to benefit those teachers and how they had zero support and so for me, if it's something where it's a goodwill situation and I just really want to help them out, that's fine. And again, the teacher who I talked to was very legitimate and I, I heard all of the struggles they were having. And I just really wanted to help them out. So something like that is fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about this strange payment methods. I once got this person who said they wanted to buy this painting. Okay. And they said to me, I sent out the check. There's a mix up as it appears the check was mistakenly overpaid for 950. I hope you can understand they'll be able to refund the balance when the check clears. What's wrong with this, Jordan? <laughs> Basically, you know, when you receive that check and, and it's, it's a hot check, essentially, and you put that money in your account, they're going to ask for it back. And so you're end up paying them the money instead of you receiving money. That's the scary part that usually happens with this. Um, I don't even like dealing with that. I'm like Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, like that's it. <laughs> like that. That's kind of how I do it. Or hand me the cash like straight up in, in bills so I can see them. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I don't even, I really don't mess with checks unless it's someone I really know personally. Again. Bringing in the family member, I have my uncle out of town for a funeral. It's always something very dramatic. And they're saying, yeah. oh, bank cashier's check. We can proceed. It's like, just freaking pay me. Okay, like, it should not be <laughs> this complicated. And when it becomes this back and forth, I mean, I put my foot down. I said, PayPal, this is what we're going to do. And they say, no. We'll have to work with the payment. Any reason you don't want to do this? Uh, I mean, Alex, why do people do this? Why do they waste my time? I think this is the theme of this stream. At best, it's good intention ignorance. At worst, it's active scam. You have to, you are getting paid. It's not a problem if you set your boundaries. This is, PayPal is a fairly common app. We've all heard of it. It's not like you're requesting small bills delivered by carrier pigeon. 
you are asking for a very simple thing. And if they are resistant to that, I think that we all have a right to be very suspicious. Kevin says, I was wondering, do you recommend artists to step down from these weird offers or try to debate prices with them instead of running away? That's a great question. So mm -hmm. Jordan, when somebody has given you an insulting quote <laughs> for what they want to pay you, do you take the time to negotiate or do you just ignore? Usually I just ignore it. And the reason is because I think about who that person is to even offer such a low statement. Like what I want to work with this person for several weeks on end on this project, like they potentially are someone I just don't want to work with them. You know, they might just be someone who is going to ask for a trillion revisions or um, you'd be very disrespectful towards me and my time. So on some level, I don't even want to deal with that. I could, and here's the thing, like, if you're worried about you know, how you're going to pay your bills, you're going to figure out how to, you were going to figure out how to do it either way before they sent that email to you. So if anything, you know, it should be adding to your business and your happiness and not a headache to you. I got myself into a terrible situation a couple of years ago where I had talked this client into paying me a pretty significant amount of money and they were a little hesitant, but then eventually they said, yes, let's do it. And I made the work. They wanted me to copy one of my old drawings. And I thought, oh, this is pretty easy. I'm just going to copy the drawing, make another version of it, right? And so I show it to them and they just have a fit about, I'm like, this is what you wanted. And it was so horrible. They wrote me this email that was so aggressive and cruel that I had done all the work that, I said to them, I'm giving you a full refund because I knew the situation was not going to improve. And Alex, if somebody writes you a mean email, is it going to get better? No, <laughs> back away. Yeah, you both said it perfectly because I've given a lot of people that benefit of the doubt of, okay, you can't pay me enough, but I like the project, yada, yada. And it's never worth it because even in the last time when I was very explicit, like, listen, because you're paying me so much less than I normally charge, these are my boundaries for revisions. This is how we're going to do this. I'm, I was very transparent. I'm doing this as a favor to you. And it kept getting more and more and more. And they had this language like they owned me. And I think that's something where, no, I'm walking away. It's not worth even my full rate to do this. Ameris hit the next topic, which is creating artwork for friends and family. Ameris says, I'm a part-time seamstress. My sister is trying to get me to make a dress for free. And my response was exposed, but don't pay, exposure doesn't pay the bills. Why is this so dicey, Jordan? Because it's our friends and family. Don't they want to support us and be nice and we love them? Why is this just I never do this. Ever. Uh, first off, I think it's it's hard because usually what comes with family and friends is the ultimate guilt trip. There's always a guilt trip. It's like, remember that time I got you that happy meal when you were 12 and you, know, you, got, you got the SpongeBob toy? That was all me. You're not going to do this for me. Like, that's usually how it goes. And then we feel bad. And we want to, like, well, they did kind of give me that happy meal. The fries were really good. And so I will do this work for free. Uh, the thing is, you're still spending 
so much time on the artwork. Like if they ask for a portrait painting that's going to take you 20 hours, that is far more expensive than a regular old Happy Meal or something. Like there, you should be compensated for the work that you do. Ginger says, I feel like working for family is just a red flag. Every time I work with family, it's awful. It's so awkward because especially if they're not the most ideal client, which they usually are not, you don't want to yell at them or just say goodbye. You can't really say goodbye, Alex. Yeah. Um, I joked once with a family member, it's, ah, it's too bad y'all saw me grow up and knew that I could draw because it would be convenient if you didn't know that. <laughs> so it just wasn't even an issue. I gotta say, and maybe I've been very lucky, I've had some family member projects where it's a little cringy and awkward. I've also had some that are where my family has been very respectful. One was, I mean, to be clear, it was my uncle's father who passed away. And my aunt wanted a painting for her husband. And she right off the bat offered to pay me my normal rate. And I was like, aunt, no, no, no. <laughs> so sometimes it can be good. Sometimes it could be kind. Um, you just have to be wary. Crispy Paintbrush says, what do you do if you've already made a piece, have an established price, and then they refuse to pay? Ever happened to you, Jordan? Um, I don't know if that's ever really happened to me, because usually whenever I'm asked to do stuff, it's always something new. But if they refuse to pay, don't give it to them. Like, because that wouldn't, that situation wouldn't work in any other scenario. Like, if you walk into Target and you see that this object is $100 and you say, I got 45, how's that going to do? Like, no, get out of my store. My <laughs> you know, that's, that's what's going to be happening. And so, you, you know, if you want a bargain, that's on you, but I wouldn't put that as my first alternative. <laughs> Crispy, what you can do is ask for a down payment. I never start a job without a down payment. And I always have an agreement that, listen, the down payment, that is non-refundable. No matter what happens, I get at least partially compensated. And so that's a protective measure you can put in. Mm -hmm. Mary's actually giving a great answer to that question of, do you ever do contracts? I include half payment up front and right to refuse the final product. I've kept a lot of problems at bay. That's the thing. You want to be prepped to be able to lawyer up. Now, lawyers are expensive. The closest I had to do once was call a client and say, if I do not receive my payment, I will pursue legal action. Now, thankfully, I never had to because I think they knew we had already signed a contract. It was already there in stone. So if we walked up in front of Judge Judy, Judge Judy it would be very clear. So having a contract can be the best defense you can have. Well, Anna, you have telepathy because this is one of our next topics. Thank you so much for the super chat. And Anna says, everybody should be wary of pay-for-play galleries, also called vanity galleries. It's not a stepping stone to better opportunities like I thought it was. All the stuff we're mentioning, I don't think any of it ever got me something that was worthwhile. And this is very depressing to say, but I think for every 20 offers or opportunities, there's only one that's really worth pursuing. Jordan, why are there just so many crappy ones and so few valid ones? I think that's just the way of life, you know, like 
came out like dating, like there's usually like a ton of uh, ton of fish you have to go through <laughs> to find the right person. It's just like there's just some that just aren't going to work. And um, it's the same with you know finding a a way to start your business with art. There's a lot of people that are just shady and are not going to be looking out for your best interests. Mm -hmm. Annette says, I had a bad experience last year working with a Beverly Hills interior designer. I didn't make any profit and now I'm scared to get back out there. Any tips, Alex? Because there are some jobs I've done that traumatize me and I totally feel that. Absolutely. And I know this is a blanket statement, but I've been burned by two kinds of people, the kind of people who are just individuals and then actually bigger corporations or companies that essentially are just bullies. So I am unfortunately not surprised to hear a Beverly Hills near designer was trying to scam you out of it. And actually I'm, I'm bringing this up in it because you kind of answered this question a bit of a way that can be helpful when you're asking about art managers or agents. Now they can be hard to get and sometimes they can be scammers as well. Um, they can just not be reliable. But if you find a good one, an agent can really help illustrators and artists to suss out any of the sus <laughs> contacts that you'll have. This is one that I have gotten fairly often. People just ask me for a price list. They want to know what's available. So this person says, I'm keen to purchase a print. Are there any available? Let me know the costs and approximate shipping charges usually when people want to buy my work they're pretty like this painting of a house i want to buy that this sort of blanket tell me what's available i think is really fishy jordan why is this fishy uh it feels like anything will do when they kind of put this blanket statement like you got like they're just looking through and like you know or rolling the dice and just like that one that one right there versus having a genuine interest in something that you have made or something that they want you to make um so yeah I'd, I'd be wary i don't think i've been in this situation particularly though um at least not a serious there have been people who are like oh i want this can i have it i'm like it's a homework assignment but whatever and it never goes further than that <laughs> yeah what's really funny is i've been on the other side of this email but with as you said clara a couple key details that kept me i think from coming off as a scammer I've reached out to a couple artists on Instagram directly, and I've said virtually this. I've been a huge fan of your work, but I've named specific pieces. And I've also said, I've seen your work on other sites online that I can buy, but I want to make sure that I'm paying the artist directly. Essentially, I want you to make the money. I don't want printshop.com to make the money. And in both of those cases, the artist has responded back to me, and lo and behold, I bought the print that I wanted. People usually, when they buy artwork, it's a specific piece they're looking for. And also, I have an online shop. My <gasps> online shop is not hard to find. And so when people say, I want a blanket, I'm like, look at my freaking shop. This is not difficult. Etsy gives all the shipping. I'm like, how can you not have seen this? People who want to buy artwork, they're on a mission. Like, they, they want to buy the artwork. I find with buying mm -hmm. artwork, people are not usually, yeah, it's like, I want it. it. It's very straightforward. There's not a lot of moving around. And so you have to be very 
clear to people when I get those requests, I say, go to my shop. That's it. And then usually mm, I never hear from them again. <laughs> it's like, wow, I wonder why. <laughs> All right. This is a good one. Alex, I'm <laughs> writing a children's book. Can you illustrate it for me? I'll pay you when I'm successful. Oh, yeah. L let me add them. <laughs> this is really tough and it's tough. I've fallen, I've stepped on this rake so many times because people genuinely believe it and they're genuinely kind, they're genuinely nice. And they also think that the publishing world works exactly like it did for JK Rowling. They're like, hey, I have this great idea of a teddy bear that goes to school. I'm going to make $5 million next year. I'll give you half of that. How good does that sound? And it's heartbreaking because I've ended all of these jobs with a conversation with them where they are usually visibly upset because I'm sitting down with them and saying, no, I'm really sorry to be the one to break it to you, but you're not going to make that much money. That's not how this works. Furthermore, usually the publishing company likes your story and then they will assign you an illustrator. You're not allowed to say, here's my story. Also, here's this random guy I found who illustrated it. That's not how this works. See. Here's another one. <laughs> this was part of a back and forth that I had. Although my brand is still very small, my t-shirt quality is assured I am confident it will be successful in the future. I mean, is success guaranteed for anybody who wants it, Jordan? No, no. I admire when people have faith like that. Um, and you know, there, there's a certain level of respect, but when you're banking on that as someone else who's getting involved, that's when there's trouble, especially if you're not like working together, you know, like there, there's, if they're just coming to you and like, hey, I promise you I will be successful. It's like, I don't have any receipts. I have no proof that you're even capable of doing what you're saying you're gonna do. And how I know your book is not like trash, you know, like it, it could be the absolute worst thing you've ever seen put to paper. And mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, even if they do blow up, the percentage of that or the idea that they're going to give you that half a million that they promised or whatever, <laughs> unless you meet the most loyal person in the world, you know, I, I nine times out of ten wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. There's something about this where I want to bring up the good email you got earlier, Clara, where they were saying accurately, we have millions of viewers, we're credible, and how that is different than this is gonna be big. I think that's a very important distinction to make. Like, what are your thoughts on that subtle difference? I think when I see people really inflating themselves, that's a red flag. I mean, I'm sorry, artists, but when you write on your website, award-winning artist, that doesn't make you look good because the people who have won the major grants, they don't put that on their website. They just are who they are. And so when people feel the need to puff themselves up as I am a groundbreaking internationally renowned artist, that does not reflect well. People who are at that level don't talk about themselves that way. So avoid that. I want to bring this up from Annette who says, is there a credible business you recommend when looking for a manager and agent? Anna, 
Thank you very much for the reply. Art agents are not a thing. They do not exist. Gallerists and curators are real, but anybody who wants to charge you to get your work, quote, out there is scamming you. Now, to be clear, Anna's talking about fine art galleries. Okay, that mm -hmm. is the case there. But an agent, tons of people have agents for illustration, Jordan, right? That's a totally different field. Yeah, I mean, well, I have an agent. I mean, it's um, I mean, it's more for animation and games and stuff like that. But it's been super helpful to me because they, you know, she does all the work and, you know, and and one of the things that I don't like is negotiating payment and she takes care of all that too. And the if you find a good agent, I'll say this, if you find a good agent, then they will have your best interest at heart because every time you get paid, they get paid. So they have an invested interest in you making money too. Um, that's just, that's just kind of how it works. But again, you have to find a good trustworthy person um, and that can be a challenge. Um, so good luck out there. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know it's hard to find agents. A good way to start is to look for artists and illustrators that you admire and find out who represents them. Cause that's the thing. A lot of the times it will say on their website represented by so-and-so you follow them, you see who they are. And that's a good way to begin that journey. Well, this is a good point from Annette who says, I do have a good friend who's an artist who has an agent and he's successful. It's possible, but he has had bad experiences in the past. Here's the thing. There's a whole world of Asians. There are some Asians who just do nothing for you. Even galleries that will do nothing for you. I mean, somebody told me this year that they were with this gallery and sold so little compared to what they've sold online in like one year, which is crazy so just because you have an agent or have a gallery it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good experience so if it's not working get out of there because that's a waste of your time to be with that agent who is no good thank you so much rb dick again if you want to help me celebrate my birthday the best thing you can do is send me a super sticker because that's what i want <laughs> is for art prof to be on stable ground all right Let's talk about vanity galleries. Now, a legit gallery is never going to charge you to exhibit in their space. And yet there are so many of these. And I believe Anna had some commentary about this earlier up. I'm going to see if I can find it. Yeah, like Anna says, I feel like exposure is valuable to get your artwork, but you need the respect. You need to respect the people involved. And I believe up here, yes, I've been so desperate in the past to show my work that I've fallen prey to pay for play gallery schemes. I thought it would be a stepping stone to more legitimate shows and representation. What's wrong with this, Jordan? I mean, if, if you're trying to get into a gallery and they're offering to, or they're saying you need to pay, like you have to uh, achieve some sort of status to, to get to them. Uh, it's just, it's not a good deal at all because it's, it's they're essentially using you uh, is really what at the end of the day is what's happening. And so you need to make sure the deal's working for you. Again, with just like the exposure conversation we had earlier, you can put your own artwork out there. There's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you, name, you can have your own website. There's so many ways to get it out there. And I don't think any artist in 2022 needs to be desperate to get their work out there. It should be a situation that does work for you. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, if you put a vanity gallery on your resume, that can hurt you. Alex, why is that? I think because in a tragic way, it shows that you fell for it. I mean, there's no, there's no better way to put it, I think. And I think that it's really important to be wary in all of these things, because especially for artists, we've talked about this one way or the other throughout the stream, people either honestly think you enjoy it and don't mind doing it for free, or they're actively and maliciously trying to get money from you. And I think that there's a difference between being overly suspicious of every offer and sheltering yourself in your work and just asking critical questions in all these situations. To be clear, there are many types of galleries. There are some legit galleries who charge money for specific reasons. So for example, as Andy brings up, is it different for juried shows? When do we know if it's worth submitting to those? Yes, a juried exhibition is a totally different thing. So I've juried shows before and they bring me in and I judge based on all of the entries and every artist has to pay say $30 to enter that juried show. That's basically so the gallery or nonprofit organization, they can pay the juror. And obviously they have maintenance fees as mm. well, just to keep the gallery up and running. And a lot of these nonprofits art organizations, they do rely on some of those fees to stay up and running. So if it's a juried show, that's fine. Also yeah. an artist co-op, that's a different thing too, where it's run by these 50 artists and they have to pay a membership fee, let's say $50 a month. Alex, I know you were part of a co-op at one point, right? Correct. And actually, um, now that I'm back in Colorado, I kind of want to get back into it because for me, it was a win-win. It was a gallery, but instead of the 50% fee they would normally get, they only took 25% of the sales. However, that extra money was made up where me and the other artists involved did a lot of the maintenance, the... Um, receptionist shifts and cleaning and buying supplies and all that. So yeah, the co-op is a very good system if you don't like the idea of a huge split going to the gallery. However, that's a lot of where that split goes. They're paying employees and cleaning and all that sort of thing. Jordan, isn't the basic lowdown here, never pay to show your work anywhere? Pretty much. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, again, if if you really think about the cost and cost analysis of it all, like why would you pay to show your work when you can do it for free on your own? Like when you really think about it from a logical logical standpoint, it really doesn't make any sense. If someone wants to pay you to put your art out there and showcase it, that's a win for you, and you know, and it'd be a win for them essentially because they're you know able to put it in their space. So yeah. Um, Think logically about this stuff like really i know artists we can get into our emotions a lot sometimes and think i want to help them i want to do this and do that but really sometimes we have to turn that off and think business think on the business side of our brains totally there's a similar version of the vanity gallery which is a vanity publication and i did this one time never again <laughs> nothing happened at all there are some, the only one I would make an exception for would be New American Paintings. And actually, Lauren was in the recent issue and was able to get some 
networking and exposure that was actually legit. That is one that I know of. Maybe there are some other ones. But Alex, oh my gosh, the number of illustration societies that have these publications, and they're not cheap. They usually charge no. for like $100, $200. Why is this so rampant in the illustration world? It's really sad. I was going to submit to one right after school and then found it was $250 to even submit. And it's such an awful scam because these have been going on for decades. I found an old edition at one at a garage sale. I'm like, oh man, they've been doing this for a long time. And it's awful. And the thing they always sell you on is art directors read this. This is how they find new talent. And look, if you've talked to one art director, they'll tell you, no, I can't go to the grocery store without illustrators giving me mailers. <laughs> like they're, they're not taking their time to flip through this. It is, unless this magazine contacts you to illustrate the cover and they are paying you to do that, I don't think they're worth it. Because Clara, every illustrator I've talked to who has been in those has said what you've said. I did it once, wasn't worth it never again yeah it's very wrong in my opinion because they prey upon young inexperienced artists who want to put their work out there and jordan people who are in positions to hire you at a legit publications do they have trouble finding artists <laughs> to publish never never they know who they <laughs> um I think I think what ends up happening is we have, we experience so many bad things um, with when it comes to this, and when the good opportunity comes, it will just stand out. So like you can tell when it's legitimate because it just everything just feels right. There's no fuss over the payment method or how they're contacting you or any of the scammy weird stuff that we've shown in this presentation so far. Um, it all just kind of fit um, fit well. All right, everybody, I hope you will join Alex and I in the Discord right after the stream in the post live streams stage channel. A stage channel session is where you get to talk to us on voice. We love hearing your voices. So join us right after the stream. There are many ways you can support ArtProf. You can make a one-time donation via PayPal because it's my birthday and I need my birthday present from the community. <laughs> you can enroll in a premium track, work with us closely for six weeks. We do offer social media critiques that you can purchase from our website. And thank you to our top Patreon supporters. We have a new supporter this week, Jennifer Roberts. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon, but I'm very sad that we lost almost two columns on the second slide that's how many people have canceled i really don't want the slide to look this empty <laughs> so please think about supporting us on patreon you get all kinds of perks you get access in the discord and newsletters exclusive content is really fun so sign up to be a patreon supporter because our goal not a huge dip but enough of a dip to make me a little sad and for my birthday <laughs> i would like to not feel sad Art Prof as a podcast is available on Spotify and also on iTunes and subscribe to our channel for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. 
everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.